welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. Today, we feature audio from the Elite Business Advice Podcast with Chris Moore. In this episode, Chris talks with Peyton Blaylock, founder of the Blaylock Group by EXP Realty. He shares some principles and perspectives of how to more effectively coach and mentor others. This episode is sponsored by Merca and Toyota Susho. Welcome to the Elite Business Advice Podcast. My name is Chris Moore. I'm the founder of Elite Business Advisors, and the goal of our podcast is to help you grow your business and educate you on a variety of topics that affect self-employed small business owners. Today's episode, we've got Peyton Blaylock back with us again from the Blaylock Group powered by eXp, and we're going to talk through all about both of our backgrounds in coaching. We hit on that a little bit in our episode last year, and we want to dive a little bit deeper into how to coach others effectively. Peyton, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Chris. It's yeah. uh, it's really good to be back here. Yeah. I'm I'm excited for this uh, this topic. Today. Absolutely. We almost went off on like an hour long tangent on it last year, and I was like, nope, nope, we're gonna cut that and save it for another episode. Oh yeah, you would have thought that would have probably been like a Joe Rogan type podcast. Oh, it, it would have three been. hours long. Yeah, exactly. You know, it would have been off the rails. It would have been. <laughs> so, uh, for those listeners that, that didn't tune into last year's episode, uh, first off, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit, kind of about yourself and and what it is you do, and and then we'll put our coaching spin on everything. Yeah. So, um, again, I'm Peyton Blaylock. I run the Blaylock real estate group, uh, powered by eXp realty. Yeah. Uh, I've been in the real estate industry for going into year eight, Holy which smokes. is insane to think about. That's crazy. Um, I got in at, you know, 23, 24 years old okay. and it's almost been a decade. <laughs> That's crazy. Isn't it funny to think back, right? Like, just how quickly time has passed between like high school, college and all that. Uh, It's kind of depressing in a way. A little bit. But, you know, there's a lot of really good things kind of in between. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was talking to a friend of mine last year. We were out like golfing and I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, I've thought about getting a new driver. Like mine's not that old. I was like, my parents got it for me for college graduation. And I was like, yeah, that was almost a decade ago. Cool. (laughs) Cool. Okay. I think it's time for a new driver. So it goes too fast. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, (laughs) So we want to talk through a little bit um, about our coaching background, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And how, really more so on how we use that to do what it is we're doing today, right? Um, We're not just going to sit here and reminisce about our high school coaching stories, although I'm sure some will come up and it'll be fun and hopefully we can do it in an insightful way for the listeners. Um, We'll save the rest of the fun stories for, you know, grabbing a drink some other time. But but I thought it could be fun to just kind of share or, or beneficial more so on you know, what it is that we learn from those experiences, um, how we do that with our coaching styles now in various ways, right? Like you work with coaching other real estate agents, Mm -hmm. you know, we coach business owners, like we're still coaching. It's just not athletes anymore. Um, and so I want to kind of just share a little bit, you know, start out with kind of your experience and in what coaching was for you at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to kind of start off, I, I firmly believe my coaching background, uh, is the foundation for our success for, you know, growing a real estate team. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I coached uh, high school football at our high school, Collinsville yep. High School. Uh, go Hawks. Yes. Uh, I actually coached for 10 years. That's crazy. Um, all the way up until I had my now three-year-old daughter. Okay. 
which is uh, pretty crazy to think about because yeah. I started coaching at 18 years old. Okay. Um, and then stopped at like 28, yeah. 29. You know, yep. it's uh, I have a decade of coaching experience. It's crazy to belt. think about. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I uh, I started off as a freshman high school coach. Um, you know, it's funny, you have, whenever you're 18, the head coach probably doesn't want you really coaching kids that <laughs> you may have been partying with the, right, you know, right. uh, just a few months ago yep. prior to. Um, so I got stuck with freshmen, and I shouldn't say stuck because no. it was uh, it was extremely enjoyable yeah. to kind of catch. They're not really little kids, but they're just they just have like you get to build their foundation yep. in the sport. Um, so I started with that, okay. coached freshman football for about five years, okay. and then uh, started working my way up to JV, and then eventually uh, ended my last three years at varsity nice. as a you know, wide receivers coach and uh, JV offensive coordinator. Okay. And uh, what was really, really uh, rewarding about that was the last couple years where I was actually coaching with my dad, who was the head football coach. That's cool. So I th- thought that was pretty cool because yeah. you know, I, I grew up with him coaching i think my dad coached for like 25 years that's so cool same deal started when he was 18 uh my grandpa coached uh the raiders okay little league football program so it's just it's always been in my family yeah and whenever i graduated it was just very much like okay i'm meant to do this yeah yeah that's awesome well i uh i very much like you started out coaching hockey when i was 18 um went straight from high school into being the goalie coach at collinsville uh and uh, like you said, you know, coaching people that you were just friends and teammates with, maybe or may not partying with, whatever, you know, <laughs> <It's> um, <tough. laughs> you know, it, it was interesting for sure. Um, but you know, I, I absolutely loved all that time. Right. Yeah. And started out as the goalie coach and I guess two years into it kind of became the assistant on varsity, took over actually the head coaching role for the Collinsville hockey team for, I think two years, and then kind of scaled back to an assistant level just cause time got crazy, graduated oh, yeah. college, started a a career full-time life got a little hectic. Um, and there was a couple of kids that I had coached from when they were in eighth grade. So here in the area, you can start playing JV when you're in eighth grade. Um, and so I guess they got about five or six years into it and I knew they were graduating. One of them was a goalie. I started coaching really, I think he was in seventh grade at the time. Even he would come to our practices just to like help out. That's awesome. And, um, and so I wanted to at least see them graduate. And that was the year that we ended up winning the championship. So it was a good, it was a good way to go out. Um, first championship (laughs) in school history or at least since way back in the nineties. So, um, you know, if you can't play and win a championship, might as well coach and win a championship. Um, (laughs) you know, it was cool, but you know, there's so many different things, right? Looking back on it, we've had conversations about it just that I've learned since then, right? Or like, what do I wish I would have known at 18? Um, And again, and and how does that apply to business? Like, how has that shaped me with what I'm doing now? How has it shaped you? And so what I want to kind of just start out with is is just sharing a few things that you learned about being a coach in football. Um, And hopefully the listeners can understand this, whether they coach youth sports whether they coach people in their business. Um, hey, fun fact, if you have an employee in your company, you're coaching them. Yeah. You may not true. view yourself as a coach, but if you're a business owner and you have one employee, you're a coach, right? Yeah. So just need to throw that out there to start this out. So <laughs> share a few things that you kind of learned insight from when you were a coach of football. You know, I could probably talk about that for about an hour, yeah. but I'll break this down to about three things. Perfect. Um, and I'll do my best to kind of relate it to um, you know, business. So I think the first one, especially starting coaching at a very early age was trying to figure out my leadership style. Yes. 
you know, at, at 18 years old, you have no idea yet. No. You know, I wasn't, I was not the captain of the football team. Right. Which I was never thrown into a leadership role like that. Yeah. So once you're coaching, you all, all of a sudden have an authority role over everybody, especially in a program that has, you know, 150 kids. Yeah. So it's kind of tough to kind of figure <laughs> out how to, how am I going to lead them? How yep. am I, what's my style going to be like? Am I a player's coach? Am I, a, you know, an authoritarian coach? Yep. Try not to be that, but, you know, no, sometimes you have hey, to. Occasionally. So I think my best role was, and it took me a few years to figure it out, yeah. but it was kind of learning to be more of a chameleon. Okay. And I think we have to do that in our own businesses, especially whenever you're talking about different personalities and different uh, different things that people go through. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one of them. The other one I just kind of touched on, yeah. it was managing the personalities. I had no idea what a disc profile was Yes. at 18 years old. If you would have thrown that at me, I would have been like, "Are you? Are you talking? What are you talking? Are you disc? Dis- yeah. disc golf? Yeah, like, right. ultimate frisbee? <laughs> like, what are we talking about here?" So it took me a while to develop how to, you know, approach the kids that are, you know, more dominant personalities, yep. and then the ones that are more social, and yeah. you know, and so on and so on. Um, and I think that's where that chameleon part comes back to. You have to learn how to, um, you know, just kind of approach things differently. Yeah. Good. Um, and I think lastly. It's overcoming adversity. Ooh, that's a good one. And that is something that we can all relate to, whether it's our business or it's athletics. Um, You know, again, going back to being 18, I was still learning how to, you know, mature at that level. (laughs) Right. And so here I am trying to teach somebody how to, you know, kind of not let their highs get too high and their lows get too low while I'm still trying to figure that out myself. So that was a big learning experience because yeah. I'm, I'm in a very emotional person as it is. Right. Unfortunately, I'm the one, and sorry if you are a referee <laughs> out there, but to me, any call that's made against my team is the worst call in the world. Yeah. So I'm really sorry for anybody out there that I may have yelled at. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a lot of grace. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so sorry. Just yeah. forgive me on that one. No, that's good. I mean, I think that that's I, – I, I laughed and said right when you said that about the adversity thing, not because I know you, but because yeah. I knew me at 18, yeah. too, trying to mature and figure all this out. I might have even still actually been 17 when I started because I didn't turn 18 till freshman year of oh, college. So, so like, even- either, yeah, <laughs> uh, it was for like two weeks. But, um, you know, I came up with three things, too. Yeah. You kind of hit on one. Um, everybody responds differently to your approach. Yep. We'll talk more about the dis- the personality temperaments here in a minute. But um, I think that that was something that I just assumed, like, uh, I never wanted to be that authoritarian figure, yeah. right? But it's just like, hey, like, I'm here to coach you. You should listen to me. Yep. Right. And some people respond well to that and others don't. Right. Of course, um, that was yeah. fun to learn at age 17, 18. <laughs> do what um, I say. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, dude, just go do it. Like, no. What do you mean? No, just go do it. Yep. Oh, you're still not. Okay, cool. Well, I got to find a different way to do this now. Um, so that was, I mean, it, it sounds basic, but that was very eye opening. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people respond differently and we'll get more into that in a minute. Um, the second thing, and this one was really hard, especially as we started coaching at a young age, is your goal is to help them become the best they can be, not to be their best friend. Yep. And when you're already friends with people, that makes it a little tougher. Um, but I think really understanding what you're there to do is to help them become the best player they can be in that sense, right? Even now, that's something that I have to I have to consciously make sure I'm aware of and sometimes have tough conversations with our clients. It's like, hey, you're paying me so that you can be the best business owner you can be. 
not you're paying me because you like when we spend an hour together at Starbucks every other week. Like, you know, so yeah, I want to be your friend. I want to have conversations. I'm going to get to know you as a person. But like at the end of the day, I have to remember, like, I'm actually here to help bring out the full potential in you. Right. Same thing when you're coaching high school hockey students or football or whatever sport it is, you aren't there to be like best friends with them and like hang out. Like you're there to make them the best athletes to where they can get scholarships or whatever their goals are. Um, and I think that kind of leads into the third one, and, and this probably is one of the most impactful things I've learned is um, we were talking about this backstage before we started recording is like your goal is to not just develop them as good athletes, but to develop them as good people. Of course. Like and develop and learn life lessons and things. And, you know, again, it's great if they become great hockey player, they go on and play in college. Well, great. You really brought out the potential in their abilities. But, like, if they're still, like, not a great person off the ice, I don't really care how good you are at what you did, right? Yeah. Like, I like I appreciate and can respect your talent, but, like, I care more about who you become as a person. Um, and I love I'm, – I'm a big Clemson Tigers football fan. Oh, yeah, uh, my dad's cousins have taught out there. I've endured a lot of rough seasons and then some fun ones. <laughs> this year was a little shaky. We'll this year see. Was, yeah, um, a little bit rough again. But, you know, I love – I think part of the reason I really am very passionate about Clemson, aside from the connection – with family is is because of Dabo Sweeney, their head coach. Absolutely. Like he is the person that that raises good people, right? It's not just are you a good football player? Are you a good person off the field? Um, and I'm sure he's never a hundred percent, right? No, but I think be. he's also like the coach that's probably led most people to Christ too, which is a whole different conversation, yeah. which I think is super cool. Yep. Um, just how he integrates that into the program without being pushy about it. So, um, but I, I just really believe that. I believe that like your goal is to help bring out the best in people, right? And I think it's the same thing for employees, even if they don't stay with you for the long haul. Like, are you able to coach and help develop them into just being better human beings? Oh, absolutely. I think. Um... You know, whenever it comes to that, it's it's being authentic with them. Yes. You know, my this is I, I may say a lot of lines that I learned from my dad, <laughs> but uh, you know, money talks, BS walks. So <laughs> it's one of those things where you know you can't just you really do have to kind of practice what you preach, yeah. especially with kids. Yes. Because they are looking to you as that mentor. Yep. So I totally agree with with uh, the Dabo part. Yeah. You know, he really does do that. He yeah. cares. Yep. And I saw it firsthand with our family. Um, we actually had a player that I believe it was his no, it was his junior year in high school. He was already kind of like an at-risk kid. Yeah. Um, if you ever seen the movie The Blind Side, yeah. We essentially had a situation like that in my family. I was yeah. still in college at the time, living at home because I went to SIUE. Right. But w- my parents actually took one of our the players in, and yeah. he lived with us, and they took legal guardianship of him yep. because he was homeless. Yeah. And he knew that, and his mom was not in a great situation, and they essentially, he yep. kind of knew that things would go right back downhill for him yep. if he didn't have help. Yep. So we did that, helped him get That's into awesome. college. He played college football, um, you know, got a job right out of college. Yeah. He now has a wife and cool. a uh, two-year-old, two, two-year-old daughter that's so cool and they are part of our family yeah so I think that's it's, awesome i think it's that authenticity that yep. you have to that's so important to have as a coach well and i think it's the mindset to have is like life in the world is bigger than just what you're coaching somebody in, of course right again if you're if you're a business owner you have an employee like yeah you want to coach them to be the best employee that they can be for their benefit so hopefully you can pay them more for you to become more profitable efficient productive oh, whatever yeah. word you want to use but like again to me it's like i think if you keep the mindset of like 
the world is bigger than just their tasks or their daily, you know, routines. That's what really matters. Like, and when you can impact that, everything else takes care of itself. Um, Well, we just had an episode um, from last week with our pastor and we kind of went through some of this stuff. Like if you just serve people, right? Like everything else kind of takes care of itself. And I believe that too, when it comes to coaching people and, and like leading people, it's like, if you can just take care of helping them develop as people, and just be there for them and, and all these little things. Like, I think I think the rest of business will take care of itself. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's that servant leadership attitude yes. that you have to take. Yep, that's take what Jeff, of. We, we used a lot of Chick-fil-A examples. In oh, there there. I almost went to Chick-fil-A for lunch after we recorded the episode. That's but, awesome. <laughs> um, so we talked earlier about personality temperaments. Yeah. Um, and so I want to circle back to that a little bit um, and just kind of get your thoughts on it. Obviously, we both have said how, how important it is to understand that. Um, but I guess... How do you use that knowledge um, in coaching and leading others? Um, and, you know, any insights you can kind of share for somebody listening to this on on what that looks like in a business setting? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's, well, obviously it's extremely important to, to be able to kind of understand the different personality types, um, especially with the people in your organization or your team or whatever. Right. It allows you to kind of create that chameleon approach yep. to things. You know, you can you can pretty much serve everybody. And of course you're still going to probably rub some people the wrong way. I mean, there's always going to be people that you can't, right. You can't coach, (laughs) but it just, it kind of creates an easier way to go about it and and allows you to motivate them properly. Um, You know, like I said, I mean, it it probably took me five or six years in coaching football to finally, I don't even, I I never want to say I've mastered something. Nobody but at has. least started. I started seeing the results of yep. okay. If I talk to this kid this way, it's going. He's going to perform better, yep. or he's going to respond to me uh, better. Yep. Well, and that's Jeff and I kind of talked about that last week about like the the personality temperaments and the love languages. Oh, absolutely. Right. Um, and so I won't go back down that rabbit hole, but like, you know, I almost wanted to, cause I knew we were going to talk about this. I was yeah. like, wait till next week. Peyton and I are going to dive deeper into this. But, <laughs> um, but you know, I think that it, it's important to know how people respond in different ways. Right. Yeah. And what, what encourages people, right? Cause I, I feel like, you know, what is it? They always say like, you know, when it comes to coaching, like you want to make people think it was their idea oh, yeah, <laughs> and then they're absolutely. excited to do it. Right. So it's like, yeah. how can I like talk to them through this? Like some people respond to just being told directly, like, Hey, go do this. And yeah. they're going to go do it. Other people, you got to kind of coach why they should do it. Like, so the, the personality thing, some people are very detailed. They need to know exactly how to do it. If I'm a wide receiver, okay, I got to run seven yards up and then cut 45 degree angle this way. Yep. Like, they, you know, so knowing the personality temperaments, especially I'm sure when you're coaching playbook stuff or, you know, when you're teaching people, you know, SOPs and standard operating procedures and businesses, like knowing the personality temperaments is huge, oh, right? Yeah. Because there's going to be some people that are just very quiet and reserved that are the, I guess, S's that fall into that, yeah. that soak it all in. They're very intelligent. They just don't like emotionally show a whole lot. They're like, okay, all right, I'm going to go do it now. Like, yeah. And they're just very chill about yeah. it, right? Sometimes you got to be like, are you listening? Yeah, like, did you actually get that? Oh, you did. Okay, right. You're just, you know. But as somebody like me, and I would say even kind of you a little bit, that we're a little bit more energetic. Yeah. We show emotion, good, sometimes bad. Uh, yeah. um, you know, like, if I'm like, okay, yeah, hey, cool, let me go do it. Like, you know, uh, for somebody that's a different personality style, I'm like, so did you understand what I just told you? Yeah, I did. Okay. Are you sure? It's <laughs> like, you're not showing me anything that shows, like. Yeah. So I think it, it really does, and, and there's, you know, 
all different kinds. Disc is a very popular one. There's all different kinds of, you know, things. We did a whole podcast episode with Jenny Bellinger about disc personalities and stuff. So um, I won't go into all the strengths and weaknesses and how to navigate that. But I think just knowing that if you have employees, it's a really good idea to do a disc assessment on them. Um, Reach out to us. We can connect you with Jenny. She does those disc assessments and very much in depth, which is very beneficial. Um, But I think it's just good to know how people can respond to things. Oh, yeah. Overall, I think you'll probably have better, happier people. Yes. Because they'll kind of understand that you are responding to them the way they want to be. Yep. Well, and I think a big piece of that is it's not just the positives of like, how can I lead you better? How can I coach you better? It's like, what are the things I do that are actually negatives? Yeah. Right? Every, you know, love language, personality style, whatever people are dominant in positivity wise, they also get just as hurt, if not more, when you do that in a negative way. Right. So um, Jeff and I are kind of chatting through that too. So, (laughs) um, so what are some standard things that you recommend? You know, let's, let's kind of dive back into the business side of it. Um, since you do coach real estate agents, you guys are building your team and growing. It's been really cool to see what you guys oh, have done you. the last few years. Um, you know, when you're coaching and leading and mentoring others, like what are some kind of structured things that you guys have in place in your business to, I guess, kind of help allow people to be coached? Yeah. So that's actually something I'm still kind of working on myself yeah. to get better at. I'm definitely an I personality, so okay. I'm not the just, you know, most organized person in the right, world. Right. However, I do firmly believe in, you know, goal setting and that's okay. having, you know, your different types of goals. What are your yearly goals? What are your quarterly goals? You know, what do you, what do you want to do this month? And then kind of breaking it down from there. So we try to, we do try to meet, you know, regularly to really analyze those. Okay. You, know, you do have to revisit those at, from time to time, you yep. know, kind of going into that. We talked about adversity. Yeah you know, things change. Yes. So how do we pivot back to that? So we really cool. like to have just very, shouldn't say structured, like I said, I'm not super structured. Right, no. But we do try to kind of keep that honed in as much as possible. Um, and then whenever we do understand our goals, we, we do our best to kind of do that reverse engineering breakdown yeah. of, you know, in real estate terms, it's okay, well, well how much do you want to make this year? Yep. And then we take it down to, all right, well, what's your average commission per house? Right. And then we take it even further. Okay, well, the, how many houses do you need, need to sell? sell? Yep. And that's kind of how we were able to really break down our goals. That's and smart. We've kind of figured out, well, how many calls do you need to make? Yep. All of that. So. Well, it's, you know, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty cool in that sense when you, when you know your numbers. Yeah. There's a lot of power in how you can use that information, right? Like I've had some clients be like, cool, I know my numbers now. Now what do I do? And I'm like, well, now you can actually plan and set goals and like know what to expect. Yep. Like, well, how? And I'm like, okay, exact example, right? Like, hey, I want to make this much this year. Okay, well, that means you need to do this much in revenue. Oh, okay. Well, then what does that mean? Well, what's your average job size? Like, it's the exact same thing. Like, we go through that with our clients too. And it's when you have the data, it's easy to then to figure out how to use it. The hardest part is coming up with the data. Well, I think it like kind of calms the storm a little bit too. It does. You know, it it allows you to kind of be able to break down, okay, well, this is is what I need to do this week. Right. You know, this is how many people I need to call today, how yes. many people I need to meet with. And yep. Well, and I think too, great. you know, the first episode we did this season was all about how to plan out the year. And so we mm-hmm. kind of walked through that to an extent, but like it really, to me, it allows you to figure out like, what do we need to change? Right? Like, let's say you're like, Hey, I want to make this amount of money. This is what we need to do. This is how many estimates we need to do, whatever business you're in. And you realize like, that's not even feasible. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And then you go, okay, well, I still want to make that much money. So now I need to figure out how to 
close that gap, right? Yeah. Like, can I become more efficient with things? Can I get better at sales or, you know, whatever it is in your, in your industry? Like, okay. Or I need to go hire somebody yeah. to where we can be doing twice as many estimates, right? If you're a contractor. So I think that when you really can understand and like hone in on those, those details, it just allows you to see like, Hey, am I actually in a position where I can achieve that with what we're doing now? Or do I need to grow? Do I need to hire somebody? Do I need to partner with somebody? Do I need to like, what do we need to change to get there? Absolutely. Um, you know, one other thing I always recommend with people is we kind of ask that question is like having structured reviews, I think is a good thing. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is I always encourage like a lot of contractors, like when they hire people to do a seven day, 30 day, 60 day, 90 day review. And then usually quarterly after that. And really what I want them to do is like, that is the designated time to sit down and like have an open and honest conversation. Yeah. Right. Because the reason behind that is it's very hard for a lot of people, especially if you don't, if you're very conflict adverse and I am this person. So this is why I like the structured same reviews. Too. I it's like everybody. I want to be friends with everybody. <laughs> I don't want to tell you what you're doing wrong, even though it's going to kill me inside. Yep. Um, <laughs> But I like the structured reviews, and that's what worked well for me when I had my painting company um, and all the years I spent in the industry was if somebody was like, after seven days, I'm like, hey, we're, we're grabbing lunch your first Friday, so maybe it's a five-day review. And then it was like, what's your feedback? What did you like? What did you not like? I can give you some criticism. Like, the meeting is designed for that, yeah. so I don't have a problem doing that, right? And then again, 30 days later, and maybe small corrections in the meantime, but having the structured reviews allowed me to really be effective in coaching them. And finding out if, like, this was still the right fit for them or not. And when things don't go right and, you know, I'll be honest, we have some clients that are like, oh, this person's doing this. It's driving me crazy. I'm like, well, have you talked to them about it? No. Okay, well, that's a good place to start. Yeah. And then, like, two weeks later, they're like, they're still doing it. And I'm like, how did the conversation go? Well, I haven't had it yet. I'm really struggling to find a time. Like, when do you bring that up, right? Do you bring it up first thing Monday morning? Do you do it Friday afternoon? There's never a good time. There's never a good time, right? So the next thing you know, you're three months down the road, they've got this habit ingrained. And like, so that's why I really like the structured reviews because it's kind of an open conversation to say, hey, I want feedback from you on what I can do better as a leader, as a business owner. How can I make your, you know, how can I set you up for success here better? Uh, but here's some things that I've also noticed that like we need to change on your end, right? Like it's kind of an open back and forth conversation. And when you have those like preset in the calendar, like, hey, the last Friday of the month, we're having lunch and this is your 30 day review. It's easier to have those conversations yeah. when you don't have any sort of structure and you're trying to find the time to do it that's usually when a lot of business owners kind of fail with that. Yeah. I actually love that. Yeah. I'm, well, thanks. We don't do that enough. Yeah. So I think that's Steal something it. I'm definitely going to be implementing that's for fine. sure. Advice is free. Well, and you're so. right. It, it definitely, it kind of takes that error. It of, does. You know, it just kind of takes that out of the, out of the room yeah. with that. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's an open feedback both ways. And that's yeah. what I always tell them like, Hey, we're going to do this in 30 days. I want you to kind of make a list or some feedback on like what we can do better. Right. Yeah. Because it's easy as business owners for us to get pigeonholed in what we're doing and not realize there's better ways to do things. And it kind of like eliminates, you know, any surprises from that person of, hey, they've been pent up about something for so (laughs) long. And then all of a sudden you'd have no idea. Right. And all of a sudden they just stop and quit. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's great. Yeah. I think it kind of clears the air on some of that. So, um, Leadership is obviously a huge part with coaching people, as we've been talking through. Um, what do you think makes somebody want to follow and trust you? 
like maybe not you specifically, but just yeah. in a leader, like what are some characteristics and things that make you attractive as a leader? So I think I kind of touched on some of this earlier, but you know, I think the number one thing is that authenticity. Yep. It's showing people that you are a real person. You're not just a figurehead yes. that they need to be afraid of. Cause yep. I think so many people kind of get, they get lost in that power sometimes. Yeah. So people want to be led by people they can relate to. Yep. So it's also building the relate authentic relationships with the people that you're leading, knowing them, making sure that they know that you care, that you give a crap about them. You know, they, it just, they want that. Yep. They don't want to be just, you know, let, you know, there's that, uh, there's that old, old illustration of, you know, leading from the front, leading from behind. Yeah. And I think you got to be up up at the front with your people. You know, you got to be showing them that, that path forward. Yep. Um, Well, I think that's a big piece of it is like the leading by example, right? And it becomes hard at times. And that's where you almost have to build leaders with inside your company whenever you have new people, right? Like if you, I know, you know, for anybody listening to this, that's over a million dollar painting contractor, it's hard for you to go in the field and lead by example with new employees, right? So at that point, you have to have the right leadership with somebody in the field that can do the on the job training and lead by example. Um, So I understand there's always challenges there, right? When you're at a smaller part of your business and you're doing everything, you have to lead by example. Then you have to empower others to lead by example. Well, I go back to like coaching, coaching athletics. There's a reason why you have team captains. Yes. Because those are the ones you're right. They're out in the field. They're the ones that are, you know, should be pretty, pretty near perfect on whatever drills you're running or whatever you're trying to teach. Yep. Because for football, I can't go out there and tackle people. No. I can't go out, you know, right. I can't do that stuff. I can't, yep. go, can't go block in the middle of a game for somebody right. or even during practice. Yep. Well, I think it even, it goes into like, I mean, we can get really down the rabbit hole here, but like, yeah. you know, even like off the field stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. captains should be setting a good example for the rest of the team. Exactly. If they're walking down the hall at school and they see somebody doing something, like they should be calling that person out, right? Yep. It, it just, it's, again, it's another level there. Um, you know, I, I just reread the, the book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by mm-hmm. John Maxwell. Um, and you know, as we were talking about this and, and I don't have any specifically, but like all 21 of the ones he has in there are just fantastic. So I would encourage if somebody's wanting to dive deeper into leadership or you feel like you need to become a better leader for your employees and to help coach them more effectively, listen to the book, read it, check it out. I think they got a lot of good principles in there. Um, you know, I think one of them is like goes into, I guess the only one I want to hit on is like the confidence and the organization you have in your business gets reflected on your employees. Yeah. So for example, if you're a business owner and you are a hundred percent scatterbrained, you always forget to follow up with people like everything, like your employees are probably going to follow suit, right? Like it's the, I think the law of mirroring or something is kind of what he calls it. Like they're going to follow what you're doing. Yeah. Well, they're going to think it's acceptable. Exactly. Right. You know, and then, and then you're 90% percent of the time, the leader is going to look at the employees and be like, well, I don't know why they won't do this, or I don't know why they don't take their job seriously. And I'm like, do you take your business seriously? They're like, Ugh. and that's one of those like conversations that they need to hear that I don't of want course. to have, but like, I know they need to hear it. And it's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, if you can get a little more organized, if you can get a little more structured, if you can be on top of things, you're going to portray confidence that you're really running a, a legitimate, a, you know, smooth business. I said, when you're always bouncing all over the place, like I wouldn't feel confident in your leadership abilities. Like, yeah. so, I mean, sometimes those are c- tough conversations to have, but I think it's important to. Well, I think even for myself, like I get caught in that sometimes because yeah. I get, I kind of pride myself of being laid back with yeah. things and just kind of not overbearing. 
But I definitely, I'm definitely guilty of that yep. from time to time. You know, sometimes you can be too laid back yep. and too lax about things. Yeah, it's it's a very hard battle and a fine line to walk yes, with this is like <laughs> how do i be like i don't want to say like the cool boss right but like yeah. you want to have a flexible working environment with people of course but how do you not go too far with that but how do you not be too tight and micromanaging like there's so many avenues with it and again it's nothing that either of us have figured out and there's no, people that have bo- been in leadership for 30 years that still don't have it figured yep. out right like we're all figuring it out day by day But I think the biggest thing is just trying to become aware of it and trying to always like just one step better every day. Yep. So I agree. Well, Peyton, I, uh, I really appreciate you coming in and spending some time here chatting through this. I hope the listeners found value in it more than just us reminiscing about our coaching days. (laughs) We didn't do too much. No, we didn't. It was pretty good. We'll save it for next time we get together for happy (laughs) hour. But, um, what's one final piece of it? Like advice you would like to leave business owners with? I think it's that you're never too old or successful to have your own coach or mentor. You know, I, love I just, it. you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with that. Like once you start, stop, you know, learning, you're yep. kind of dying. <laughs> yep. You can always have a coach or a mentor. I, I yes. always seek out coaches because, yes. you know, you're just never too successful for that. There's I always somebody that. that can teach you something. I love that. I think, yeah, it's in a lot of times it's about the other perspective, mm-hmm. right? Again, we get so pigeonholed into like our business, our situation, whatever it is we're doing that like just having that outside party's perspective to say, well, Hey, did you think about this? Or, Hey, what if you did it this way? Or, you know, like, so I, I love that, man. Cool. I, and I'm not biased just because of what I do in saying that. <laughs> of but course. Like, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, until, no, I know. Yeah. That I, second. Your checks in the mail. <laughs> um, you. no, I'm just kidding. Appreciate but like, but no, it, it is true. Like I, I really feel like having a coach and a mentor, I think that was one of the biggest things I learned you know, in college, whenever I've like kind of really had a mentor and somebody to teach me business and, and even life too, as we oh, talked yeah. about, um, you know, that it was like, I was like, wow, there's a lot of power in this. Like yes, having somebody is. that's been on the journey to share the good, the bad, try to help, you know, I would say with the best person to chase through a minefield is somebody with all their legs that's been there. Like you don't yeah. want to chase Stumpy because <laughs> like he's not a very good leader. So, um, you know, so I think that that's something that's very valuable. Yeah. So, um, well, thanks again for taking time to come do this again. I'm sure we'll have another podcast next year we'll do Sounds together. Sounds good to me. Have I'm a good rest of the day. for it. Thanks, so, Peyton. Thanks, Chris. Paint Ed Podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.